You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in the Ballston neighborhood of Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us on the web at cumcballston.org to learn more about our congregation, where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Jesus told his disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Because of the word I have spoken to you, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's command, commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word. Amen. So the three simple rules that comprise our faith as Methodists are vital for us to know. Who knows what they are? Grace? That's right. Great job, Grace. All right. All right, so who wants to close their eyes and try to tell me what they are? Any brave takers? See a couple of iffy, no brave people want to try. Well, it's vital for us not only to know what these rules are in our heads, but to know what they are in our hearts. See, Wesley took the teachings of Jesus and he emphasized that Christian faith is not just about what we know in our heads, orthodoxy, right doctrine. It is about what we do, orthopraxy, right action. Wesley taught a practical theology. What we believe in our heads and our hearts changes what we do in our lives. Faith is a matter of practice where we show the world what we believe through our behavior. So it's not enough just to memorize them, but we must put them into practice. 
but we can't put them into practice if we don't know what they are. So everybody, let's practice one more time with or without your eyes closed. Three simple rules. Do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. Two weeks ago, we started with do no harm, and there are so many ways to commit to not doing harm. Not doing harm to our bodies by what we consume, not doing harm to the environment by recycling, conserving water, reducing greenhouse emissions, and so much more, and not doing harm with what we buy. Halloween is coming up next month, and a lot of people are going to buy chocolate to hand out, and we know that that chocolate may or may not have been harvested by 12-year-old slaves. What would happen if every United Methodist only bought Halloween candy that we knew would do no harm by supporting modern-day slavery? Would companies have an incentive to change their business practices? Then last week, we looked at the rule, do good. Another broad topic with so many opportunities for application in our life. Visiting the sick, feeding the hungry, and saying thank you. So today we examine Wesley's third rule. He phrased it to tend to the ordinances of God. But in modern day terms, thanks to Bishop Job, we say it this way, to stay in love with God. This third rule is the most vital one for us to begin to practice first. Because if we don't, we will eventually run out of energy to live by the first two rules. Do any of you ever use power strips in your homes or offices? I've got about two right here by my feet. There's probably another one down there on the floor with the band. It's a power strip. We know that we have to plug it into the wall where the outlet is, and then you can plug in a number of other devices. The one in my office has a computer, a USB charger, a phone, speakers, a fan. The power strip takes the energy from the electric grid and it shares it with a number of other devices. All of those devices on my desk rely on that power strip to do a lot of different things. This is true in my life. There are a lot of people who rely on me, my family, my friends, this church, organizations that I volunteer with. They depend on me for my leadership, my companionship, and all sorts of other things. They all need me to have energy available, to serve, to lead, to live my life connected to other people. And like a power strip, a lot of things need to have energy flow through me. But sometimes I'm not like that power strip, the one that's always plugged into the electric grid. Sometimes, instead of plugging into the source of all power that we humans can access, the unending love of God and the grace that God has for us, sometimes I forget to plug into that source. And I'm like a power strip plugged into itself, trying to run on my own power, which means I don't have any power to offer others. This might look like the mornings I get up and I'm running late already and I say, I've got so much to do, I'll pray later. 
might look like the days I run from one appointment to the next thinking, oh, I've got so much to do, and I just don't plug in to God's love. On days like that, I'm what Reverend Craig Rochelle calls a Christian atheist, someone who believes in God, but behaves as though God doesn't exist. Have you ever had a day like that? Believing in God, but behaving as if we are the only resource we have? You can relate to that. I hope that in this time of worship, you can admit that to yourself and to God. Because we can't change any behavior if we first don't admit it to ourselves. And then the funny thing is, when we admit it to God, God is not surprised. God already knows what's going on. And God is gracious and will be happy to help us get reconnected with the source of all love and energy. Now, I used that image of a power strip to illustrate how we have to connect to a source of power beyond ourselves, because that's an image that most of us can picture easily. Jesus used another image that people in his day would have immediately understood. Some of us today aren't as familiar with it, but if you can, I invite you to picture in your mind a grapevine. Maybe you've seen one in person, or maybe you've seen one in the movies or in photographs. The roots of the vine go down into the soil. They draw up water and nutrients from that soil. Then the vine spreads out along a trellis, and branches sprout from the vine. If the branches stay connected to the vine, then the nutrients from the soil flow through the vine and to the branches, and then those branches produce grape, a delicious fruit. When we think about that image, and we go back to the scripture that Bill read for us just a moment ago, we think Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's describing a relationship of total dependence. The branch is completely dependent on the vine for nutrients. If we were to break a branch off the vine, then that branch would die. And that's what happens to our hearts and souls if we don't stay connected to Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Each of us is like a vine that must stay connected, or a power strip that must stay plugged into the power source. Because if we don't connect to Jesus, and then we try to go out into the world on our own power, trying to do no harm, trying to do good, then we are just giving away our own limited resources that will eventually run out. So we must abide in Christ. When Jesus said, abide in me, what did he mean? Well, if I were to ask you geographically, where do you live? Some of you might say Arlington or Falls Church. Some of our guests might live in another state or from somewhere else around the world. But if I asked you 
spiritually. Where do you live? If you thought about it, and if you were honest, some might say, I live in fear. I live in anger. I live in doubt. I live in constant stress. I live in perpetual busyness. When Jesus says, abide in me, he is saying, quit living in those other places and come live in my kingdom. The God who became human, the one we call Jesus, is the place where we can go for strength, for peace, and rest for our souls. As we go through life, we are going to feel fear. We are going to fear, feel stress. But we don't have to live there. We can choose not to take up residence in that space, and we can choose to abide in Jesus. So how do we do that? If we say that we want to live in Jesus' peace, how do we do that? If we look at verse 7, we see that he said, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There are two components to abiding in Christ that he names right there. First, if my words abide in you. And where do we find the words of Jesus? We find them in scripture. So part of abiding in Christ is encountering his words. You've already encountered his words this morning, hearing it read. You're encountering them now, hearing them preached. You may this week join one of our small groups and encounter the word by studying it with a group. You may tomorrow reflect on it on your own, maybe in the morning or evening devotion. You may encounter his word when you find a way to apply it to your daily life. So the first part he names is encountering his words so that they will live in us. And the second part that we see in verse 7, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, taken out of context, that makes Jesus sound like Santa Claus or a vending machine. You put in the right combination, and the treat that we want will drop into our lap. That's not what Jesus means. Jesus first is talking about prayer, about the act of asking. And when he says that my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, he's helping us better understand that if the words of Jesus remain in us, then what we ask for is already God's will. We won't ask for things outside of God's will if we are remaining in God's word. So when we pray, one of the ways we connect into the power source of God's unlimited love for us and for this world is to abide in the word by reading and hearing and praying scripture, and by going to Jesus and asking, by praying. Developing a foundational life of prayer is vital to our relationship with God and choosing to abide in Christ. If we go back to that image of the vine and the branches and we think of that total dependence we know that there is no way for the branch to get nutrients and to bear fruit unless that branch is getting the nutrients 
through the vine. And in the same way, our own lives require us to get the nutrients, the vital energy, the love, the love, the love that God has for us. When we allow that love to flow to us, then we can offer it to others. When God's love flows through us, then we bear fruit that will last. Two weeks ago, when we looked at the scripture from Galatians, thinking about doing no harm, we heard the fruit of the Spirit named, the peace, patience, joy. That is what we will see in our lives when we abide in Christ. So when we choose to stay in love with God, it is what enables us to have God's love and abundance in our lives. Prayer and scripture reading are just two of the many practices that can cultivate God's love for us. Wesley had a whole list that he named. Some people would call these spiritual disciplines, others would call them holy habits. In addition to scripture and reading, he named attending worship, celebrating and receiving communion as often as you can, and fasting. These are not the only ones. There are hundreds of disciplines that we can embrace. Whatever we choose to do, to feed our spirit and connect to the vine, to God, to the source of all love, we must do them regularly. If we tend to the vine, we look for regular practices. Otherwise, the branches will start to wither. Now, some people will say that when you love a person, the proof is in your actions, not in your words. Wesley relied upon God's love for us and our response to God's love as evidence of faith in our lives. If we say we love God, the proof is in our actions. That's orthopraxy, right doing, not only orthodoxy, right thinking. To quote Bishop Job, when we are in love with God and stay in love with God, we are constantly formed and transformed by that relationship. And such a transformed life is a natural channel of God's goodness, power, and presence in the world." End quote. So as we work on our relationship with God from the inside out, through prayer, through worship, through reading scripture, through fasting, from doing no harm and doing good, those become effortless expressions of who we are. Our lives on the outside will resemble who we are on the inside. The effort to do no harm and to do good is not ours alone. Instead, they will be the fruit that grows on the vine if we allow the nutrients of God's love to flow to us every day. So as the power flows from an outlet to the power strip to power devices, we too must connect to the power of God's love to abide in Christ and allow the love of God to flow through us. So today and every day, May we cling to that vine for life, knowing that God offers us abundant life and unending love when we choose to abide in Christ. Thanks be to God.
Amen.